Welcome once again, everyone, to the Baseball America podcast, college style, a special Tuesday edition, seeing as how yours truly, John Manuel, screwed up the podcast yesterday. That was a, a fantastic podcast, lost to the ages, Aaron Fit, as uh, you were in Houston and I just operated my computer poorly, and I'll, I apologize. I'll never forgive you for that, John. Yeah, I can already sense that. The tension in the room is palpable. Uh, and as palpable as uh, a Charlie Blackman line drive in pitcher's BP. So uh, it's just uh, a difficult day yesterday, and I screwed it up, and uh, I'm sorry. So we appreciate everyone being patient. We'll have a college podcast today. That doesn't necessarily just focus on the top 25 poll. We'll talk about, uh, we'll take our questions. Podcast at baseballamerica.com is the email address. We've got three questions from some usual suspects Joe LeCates, Luke Good. Those guys love the podcast, and we'll take their questions today. But, Aaron, we have a new number one at the top of the top 25 this week, Louisiana State University, also known as LSU, at number one. And uh, no thanks to Trent Johnson, their basketball coach, has done a great job with the men's basketball program. Uh, LSU just uh, off to a very good start at 7-0. Uh, they just demolished Central Florida this weekend. Got to say, I didn't see that coming. I thought they would beat Central Florida, but uh, they scored double digits every game. They only gave up six runs. I know Central Florida is not an SEC-caliber club, but Anthony Renato pitches well. A very auspicious weekend for LSU and an auspicious start so far for the, for the Bayou Bengals. I think you just hit on the key thing uh, right there for the Tigers, Anthony Renato. You know, 10 strikeouts. He moved into the Friday starter slot and, and really uh, uh, succeeded there. I mean, you know, they, they started Lewis Coleman on Friday last week, an opening day, maybe the, you know, the senior right-hander just to make sure everything was stable. And I think that was smart. I think it was smart, too. And this week they were able to, to slide Coleman back to the pen, uh, and you've got your sophomore a step forward just like they hoped he would. So you got to have a number one starter, I think. you got to have a Friday guy, whether you can put him on Friday or Saturday or whatever. you got to have a number one guy, and I think you got to have a relief ace in college baseball the way it is right now. you gotta have you got to have those two components to be a national championship team. Right now, LSU, after two weeks, probably has that. Now, let's you know, revisit that in a couple of weeks when Anthony Rado gets through Southeastern Conference play. But uh, that, that's the big challenge for the Tigers. Uh, well, you know, Texas, North Carolina checking in at 2-3. and three. Obviously, the story with Texas this weekend was the uh, no-hitter by Brandon Workman. Uh, it's Penn State. Penn State gets no revenge for their 2000 Super Regional loss to the Longhorns. Uh, North Carolina sweeps uh, Seton Hall again. Hold steady at three after a losing a midweek game to Coastal Carolina. But uh, one already good sign, I think, for North Carolina and the new Boschmer Stadium is that there was a ton of rain here in North Cackalack this weekend, and they got three games in, and that was more than most teams did, and that might show up. North Carolina has the pitching depth to overcome some weather problems and the compacted schedule and that kind of thing, but they don't have to deal with making up games or that kind of thing or trying to add a game. They got in all their games this week, and most local teams here in North Carolina did not. Most teams in the Southeast did not. They did, and that's one advantage of having a new ballpark. The drainage was outstanding. They were able to get things in. It's, uh, that's an advantage in this compacted schedule environment that we're in right now, sure. Aaron. And then we get to number four, five, and six and in this week's rankings. All three were in Houston, as was Aaron Fitt. And Aaron, uh, Texas A&M, UC Irvine, Baylor, all three of those clubs, correct me if I'm wrong, went 2-1 and one this weekend in the Astros College Classic. You are correct. Which of those three teams was the most impressive team to you just this weekend? Was it A&M? Yeah, I think it probably was, and, and I thought all three of them looked good. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Baylor was the one that surprised me the most out of those three because I was a little bit worried about the Bears coming into the weekend. 
um, and, and they played pretty well, you know. I mean, I, I, I like what I saw from their arms. Um, I think they're going to hit okay. You know, I think Dustin Dickerson's taken kind of a step forward offensively, although, uh, you know, you still have to worry a little bit about the infield play there with, with Dickerson right. at first base, not real strong. And, um, you know, I think shortstop's still kind of a question mark. I mean, Joey Haynes further held his own there, but really I, I get the impression Steve Smith isn't quite uh, satisfied. So I, I think he misses Beamer Weems. I think he does. There's no question. you got to have a crazy name to play on that infield. Uh, Double D, Dustin Dickerson, Shaver Hanson, Rainer Campbell, Joey Haynes further, and of course they formerly had Beamer Weems. That is just a fantastic collection of names, in my opinion. Leave it to Baylor. They always get good names. Over Kendall there. Valls. I oh, mean, yeah. Valls, I'm sorry. Uh, Craig Fritch. I mean, there's, there's, there's some good names over there. I'll, I'll tell you Wells what, is a great name. Jason Jennings is a great name. How about John Topolsky? Jamie Bubella. I love I love Baylor's names. I almost always have. It's, it's a nice little tangent. Joey there. Haynes further. Pretty hard to beat as well, so... That's what uh. But back to the uh, the on the field matters here. Texas A and M. No, I mean they lost a, a close game to Rice on Saturday night, and Rice Sounds like was a great game. A great game, and, and Rice was by far, uh, you know, and maybe to call it a close game is even uh, is not exactly accurate because Rice dominated this game. It was two to nothing. Right. But Ryan Berry was untouchable. Rice was by far the most impressive team there this weekend. I mean, it, you know, uh, do I think that they're better than Texas A and M? They were this weekend. Right. Um, they were in one I, game, I still, yeah. I still think that A&M has the better pitching staff. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was very encouraging what Ryan Berry and Mike Gojula did. Uh, but A&M's depth is insane. You know, right. and, and Alex Wilson was very good in, in a loss to Berry. Uh, I thought Barrett Lauk showed pretty good stuff, very good stuff, really, on, on Sunday, the fastball. Future, future Katua Ketelier, yeah. as we found out this weekend. Uh, John, he's, let me tell you something. He's your kind of guy because he just got out there and, uh, 36 of his thir- first 38 pitches were, were fastballs, just just attacking guys with the fastball. He's he's, he's a John Manuel he's, kind of a pitcher. Yeah, if he just long, if he long tosses pole to pole, uh, sign him up, sign him up for the Manuel All Stars. Uh, but Texas A&M, uh, you know, also lost early the week to Centenary, so they right. fall from number one to number four. Still feeling pretty good about the Aggies, but clearly not the number one team anymore. Um, you mentioned Rice. Uh, obviously, Rice comes up from 10 to nine. Great weekend. Same can be said for the teams in front of them, though, like Arizona State, Cal State, Florida, which swept Stanford. But let's talk a little bit about the Pac-10, Aaron, uh, before we move on to some of our email questions. Uh, UCLA drops out. They were in Houston. Stanford drops out of the rankings. Oregon State's back in. Uh, uh, obviously, Southern California really off to a struggling start for losing Boy. a series this weekend to Western Carolina. That was a head scratcher right there. That is a head scratcher. You got Washington State actually splitting a series with Oklahoma, a ranked team, kind of encouraging for, for Washington State. The, the the early season state of the Pac-10, a little topsy turvy. Uh, yeah. I guess maybe we should focus on the two uh, Southland teams, as they call it in Los Angeles, UCLA and Southern Cal. 0-5 week for the Bruins, brutal week for the Trojans. 1-4, I believe, on the week. Uh, what's going on with those two programs? What's going on specifically? With the UCLA Bruins, why did they? Why were they the one team that came out winless in Houston? You know, it's because they they didn't get any clutch hitting, and and in, you know they they seem to unravel uh, when the going gets tough. I think I said that in the chat yesterday, and that's what John Savage said on Sunday, is that his guys, for whatever reason, they tighten up. You know, the, when when the bad things start happening, it snowballs on them. They start making errors and hitting guys and throwing wild pitches and. 
Uh, you know, they had a lot of hits this weekend, John. They out-hit their opponents in, in two out of their, their three games by, by five hits. Hmm. And, and yet... <laughs> so they didn't just out-hit them. They out-hit them by five hits each game. Each game. You know, I mean, and, and even in the loss, they had seven hits. I mean, this, they're, they're, <laughs> they can swing the bats, but they're just mentally, I think it's clearly, it's just the same problem they had last year. They had hmm. a talented team last year, John. Do you think they were talented last year? Oh, yeah. he's number one? Oh, yeah. This this is the same deal. They're you know, just honestly, they're better on the mound this year than they were last year. Absolutely, because Rob Rasmussen was hurt last year. They didn't have Garrett Cole. Right. Uh, obviously, we overrated UCLA last year, and specifically, one of the guys we overrated was Gavin Brooks. And to a lesser extent, Charles Brewer. Um, we were really on the Gavin Brooks train last year. I'm not trying to put all this on Gavin Brooks, but their hitters didn't perform last year. No. Cody Decker, Gabe Cohen, Brandon Crawford, Ryan Babinet, uh Jermaine Curtis. You know, the list goes on and on. Like you said, this weekend they hit, they pitched. They don't seem like a team that defends particularly well. Mm-hmm. Not as poorly maybe in the infield as Baylor. Uh, but Baylor finds ways to overcome it. Uh, UCLA doesn't. But just uh, it's just not a team that they, they just stick out on the West Coast as a team that does not maximize its talent. Yeah. And honestly, the, I mean, the biggest frustration, if I were a UCLA fan, would be this is why they got rid of Gary Adams. Gary Adams could still be the coach and have talented teams that don't go to Omaha. That was the criticism of Gary Adams. Right. But Gary Adams did okay as far as one loss. Uh, he did get to Omaha in 1997. It took him Troy Glaus, Eric Burns, Jim Parquet, and you know, uh, you know this and that. Tom Hawkes, name I pulled out of my uh, keister that impressed Tom Holliday <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Uh, but this is the same UCLA that they used to be. This is why they fired Gary Adams. And, you know, they probably didn't need to fire Gary Adams. They want to do this. You know, well, they hired John Savage to stop doing that, and here, they haven't stopped. Here's, here's the, the one thing that I think is encouraging, though, for them. I do think the younger players in this team are, are going to be immune a little bit to this, this kind of... Uh, this less prone to it, maybe. Let's say that. Less prone to... So that's, that's a better way to put it. Um, maybe they need uh, Alan Jager or Ken Revisa to come out there and give them a little uh, mental coaching, some more yoga breathing. Uh, something. What, the, what they're the, doing ain't the working. Three, my point, though, is the three young guys, especially on the mound, Cole, Cole Rasmussen, Rasmussen, and Trevor, Trevor Bauer, Bauer, those guys are tough mentally. I mean, you know, they That's don't back point. down. Yeah. And, and, and they, Garrett, looked, they all performed this weekend. Garrett Cole, I mean, that was almost like one of the things the scouts didn't like about him. He's almost like too stubborn, too uh, cocky. So maybe UCLA could use a little uh, Garrett Cole cockiness to bleed over to the rest of the team. Yeah. And then the Trojans... Uh, I, mean, I just think that just glancing at the Pac-10, how about Cal? It's one five straight. Uh, they swept Long Beach State this weekend. No matter where you play Long Beach State, no matter their talent is a little bit down this year, that's not easy to do to sweep a Mike Weathers team. Absolutely, Cal did it. Cal is talented, and for a team like that to be that talented after losing a first round pick like David Cooper and a supplemental first rounder like Tyson Ross. Don't sleep on the Bears. The Cal Bears are interesting. I, I love their offensive talent, and I worry a lot about their pitching. Yep, and then Oregon. The Oregon Ducks, one of your three strikes, winning two out of three against Fresno State this weekend, opening up the new PK Park. Uh, I don't think it would surprise us, Aaron. I would be so su- I would be surprised if Oregon finished in the first division in the Pac-10, but then in a way I wouldn't because it's George Horton for crying out loud. That guy's not going to finish second division, is he? I mean, this team they seem like the, the, we talked about earlier Friday night guys. They seem to have found a Friday guy. Yeah, Tyler Anderson, the Crazy. freshman left-hander, just came out of nowhere, really. Guy who was not very heavily recruited by a lot of programs. And you know, Andrew Checkett's their uh, recruiting coordinator slash pitching coach, mentioned him 
briefly during the fall, but I mean, he was, you know, might have been the 25th guy he mentioned. You know, this was not a guy who was expected to come in and be the Friday night starter. Yeah. Pretty yeah. amazing what he's done his first two weeks here. And then on the other side, like I said, you got Southern Cal, which goes 2 2 lane for three games this weekend. The Trojans lost 2 3 at home to Western Carolina. I got a report of Brad Boxberger throwing the heck out of the ball Friday night. 92 to 94, but he also threw 138 pitches in that game. 92-94 into the sixth inning. Yeah. You got Boxberger, you got Grant Green, you got Robago, Kuger, yeah. uh, you got uh, Robert Stock. This, these are all juniors. This is a veteran team. Anthony Aaron. Vasquez, too, John's a good yeah. player. These are these are this is a veteran team. This is not a young team anymore, and this is not Chad Kruger's first go round anymore. This is his third year, I believe, as head coach yeah. of the Trojans. Uh, something's got to give. Is the, are, are you hearing any sounds signs of improvement? They did win. Their opening series of the season, uh, Sacramento State, you know, but do we think that, I mean, I guess Long Beach, I'm sorry, I guess it just tells you we were right about Long Beach being a little down this year. Yeah. What do you think of the Trojans? I mean, what's got to change there? You know what, John, they got got pitching. You know, you mentioned Boxberger and Kevin Couture and, and, you know, Anthony Vasquez. That's a solid weekend rotation. I love saying Boxberger. But, but John, for, for crying out loud, yeah, they've made a ton of errors. They've made yeah. a ton of errors made, so far this year. They made, they made five on Sunday. They made 13 in their two losses to Western Carolina this weekend. I mean, they, they made two in the game they won. you gotta, you got you to gotta play defense, especially in the West Coast. I mean, more than more than anywhere else, you know, there's teams are going to exploit you if you're if you're giving them so many opportunities. You you got to play defense. You got to hit better than they than they have. I mean, boy, can't stand that website with the automatic music. That's anno- that's annoying. <laughs> that's really annoying. Yeah. But no, you're right. I mean, you can't. They don't have. This is not uh, Rod Dato's Trojans in a lot of ways. It's not even Mike Gillespie's Trojans. But they just can't roll out talent and beat anybody anymore. Nobody even really in college baseball can do that. You have to roll out talent. And then you have to coach it up, and you have to execute. And frankly, that seems like that's a, an issue for both UCLA and Southern California. And it's not an issue for UC Irvine. That's yeah, all I can say. That's it. Uh, it's the Baseball America podcast. He's Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. If you haven't noticed, I'm fascinated with this year's Pac-10. I think it's going to be awesome all year to watch how Oregon does. And uh, George Horton is—he's the man. And if he can't do it, no one can. Uh, let's take a couple of questions at podcast at baseballamerica.com. Joe LaCates, our number one uh, emailer, writes in, uh, Mike Olt, Aaron, you saw Mike Olt in the Big East Big Ten Challenge in the opening weekend of the season, coming off a tremendous freshman season and summer summer showing in the New England Collegiate League, off to a toward start. Um, His bat and power seem legit, according to most accounts. Where does he sit right now as a pro prospect? He's legit is right. I mean, he's... You know, it's it's the bat that stands out with him. I mean, it's uh, in the look I got him. He showed just that real easy opposite field power. He cracked the ball off the wall on a, on a windy, cold day. Oh, was the ball song. was not was not traveling, and he's real easy. I mean, you know, going to the the right center field gap. Uh, I think he's going to hit a lot. You know, and I think he, he projects for power. Whether he sticks at shortstop is a question. He's a big kid. I, I kind of see him growing out a little bit and maybe shifting to third base. But um, I think he's probably a a top three rounds guys safely for next year and, and maybe top two rounds. Did he make our top 50 sophomores? I don't remember. That's a, that was a very, a very, very difficult list to make. It's, it's a loaded lot of talent class. In sophomore and class. Think, I'm pretty sure he's on it. Well, also speaking of sophomores, Joe has another question about sophomore right-hander Matt Harvey in North Carolina. Um, he's thinking over the dynamic front-end combination of Harvey and White at UNC. 
Can we wax poetic for a bit on some other past duos that compare favorably with these two? And where do they place amongst these others? Also, any current duos, Aaron, that you think are the rival of White and Harvey? It sounds like in terms of just power, right-handed arms, Alec Will, Alex Wilson and Barrett Wauk sure. at uh, A&M are as hard a throwers. I'm not sure if they're quite as good as White and No, they're Harvey. not. Nobody's as good as White and Harvey. I mean, that, that's a... Uh, for today's game, that's just an insane one-two punch. I, I do think that, I mean, with A and M, with you know, with Laux and Wilson, and, and also Brooks Raley, uh, I like the the, the rotation. And then Sammy Solis, uh, Kyle Blair, USD. That's a pretty good one Outstanding too. Outstanding sophomores, yeah. Two guys I, who could be yeah. top half of the first round picks next year. I think I might take Steven Strasburg and anybody else <laughs> uh, almost over. I mean, the way Steven Strasburg's pitching right now with a 27 strikeouts in 13 innings, something like sure. that, 12 innings. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. It's uh, the opposite of terrible, and he is no longer a knucklehead. And you got to look at Texas's pitching staff and what they've done. I mean, Brandon Workman's throwing the heck out of the ball yeah, right yeah. now. He's got power stuff. He's a he's a big time prospect next yep. year. Kind of in the same breath as Harvey and Solis and Blair and these guys. Yeah. Uh, Chance Ruffin not as big of a prospect, but, but uh, you know more. Of the leader of the pack. There sure. For I mean, Texas. He's, he's more in a in a, in a, in a Brooks Raley mold as far as being a competitor. Right. Uh, not the huge stuff, but but solid stuff and then a great Friday night guy. Yeah. And mean, big league bloodlines don't hurt. Yeah. And they've gotten and they've gotten good performances out of out of. Cole Green and, and, and Austin Deshari and Taylor Youngman, these, these these freshmen that are outstanding for them. Texas's staff is loaded. Texas's staff is loaded, no doubt about it. Um, and then Luke Good, speaking of pitching, writes about Arizona State. Their offense has been better than expected so far, but what do we think about their pitching at this point? Is Seth Blair going to be able to keep up his success on Sundays? Also, Josh Spence threw twice this week. Do the Sun Devils have enough depth? Michael Lampson and Jordan Swaggerty seem like the only relievers, and Swaggerty took the loss against Mizzou, which our evaluation of ASU's pitching. Um, I also meant to comment first before I moved on from Joe's thing on past one-two punch duos. Uh, one thing I gotta say is, uh, how about that uh, that uh, Rice trio? Of course, 2003-2004, we had Neiman, Umber, Townsend, or Townsend, Neiman, Umber, or uh, Neiman, however you want to put it, where all three guys picked in the first eight picks of the draft in 2004 and they won a national championship together in 2003. So let's see Alex White and Matt Harvey do that. You know, they had to win a national championship to match what Rice did. Um, and Jeff Neiman also went 17-0 that year, so kind of hard to beat that, uh, Jack. Uh, and you got, you know, Rice has had past duos, the Boss-Skaggs duo of the early aughts, along with Jeff Nichols, who won 40-some-odd uh, games in his career, uh, was a third member of that. Uh, you had, uh, to me, my, one of my all-time favorite duos was the Justin Wayne, Jason Young duo at Stanford, which was together for two years in 99 and 2000. Both years went to Omaha uh, when those guys were sophomores and juniors. As a sophomore, uh, Jason Young was the ace, led the nation in strikeouts. As a junior, Justin Wayne was the ace, number five overall in the draft. Uh, Wayne and then Young got $2.75 million in the second round. I think it was the highest signing bonus for any pitcher in that draft. Uh, neither one really ended up having any impact in the big leagues. They both made the big leagues. But uh, then, of course, they pitched. They both pitched in the national championship game in 2000, where Young went four innings, and right when he was in his groove, they took him out, brought in Wayne, who struck out seven of the first nine outs he got were by strikeout. His slider was just filthy that day. But then in his fourth inning of work, he gave up home runs to Blair Barbier and Jeremy Witten as LSU tied the game from 5-2 to 5-5. It was an undrafted guy and a football punter guy who got home runs off Justin uh, Justin Wayne. And then the ninth inning, Brad Cressy, Ryan Terrio, Mike Fontenot 
uh, got to Justin Wayne, and LSU wins on a walk-off 6-5, and Justin Wayne in tears in the postgame, but uh, man enough to take the postgame questions and uh, have utmost respect for Jason Young and Justin Wayne. Uh, always, yes, like I do. said, two of my favorites, and uh, that's, a, that's a duo with a special place in my heart. Um, and then uh, I'd also throw out, I believe it was 3 Long Beach State, which Stanford beat in the Super Regional, first year Super Regionals to go, not the first year, but the f- first year they were on TV. A great Super Regional at Sunken Diamond, L- Long Beach State at Stanford, where Long Beach's trio included uh, Cesar Ramos as a freshman, Jared Weaver as a sophomore, and Abe Alvarez, and Abe Alvarez as a junior. So there's some uh, walking down memory lane pitching combinations. And of course... John, in the Aaron Fit era, of course, you had the Oregon State Beavers, two 10 national champions behind... Uh, Dallas Buck and Jonah Nickerson. Uh, Absolutely. One too. And one of my all-time favorites I need to mention, actually, I think it was either 2000 or 2001. I think it was 2001, Central Florida, where we picked them to win the regional at South Cacalac because of Jason Arnold and Justin Pope, which was their top duo. And in the opener, they threw their number three starter, Brad Busbin, a Georgia Tech transfer. who had been an unsigned third runner at a high school. And Brad Busbin couldn't get out of the second inning against Princeton. He got his uh, he got uh, beat, you know, knocked around by Princeton. So Jason Arnold had to come out of the bullpen and bail him out against Princeton. Then Justin Pope goes up the next day and beats South Carolina. So UCF is up 2-0 in the series in the regional, but they were done. Beyond those two guys, they didn't have enough pitching yeah. depth, and South Carolina battled back as Ray Tanner teams are apt to do to win the region. They you know the region they they battled. So uh, anyway, that's some uh, pitching duos. Uh, we could go on and on. We probably shouldn't. Uh, it's the Baseball American College Podcast. He's Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. Arizona State pitching, Aaron. Let's get back to that question. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, Josh Spence, Josh Spence, John, has, has been a, a huge, a huge contributor for them, as we thought he would. Um, you know, and I think with him and Mike Leake and, 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 and Seth Blair in the bullpen, and you got Franz Blau still kicking <laughs> around. Uh, That's just too much fun to say, too. Which more fun to say, Haynes further or Franz Blau? I think for me it's Franz Blau. Yeah. yeah, I can't beat that. But, you know, in the bullpen, yeah, it's not the deepest bullpen. I mean, it, Arizona State only has 28, 29 guys on their roster. Right. You know, they're not one of those those programs that's going to load up on, on on depth. That's just not their approach. Uh, but uh, It wasn't know, last year, and it came back to bite them at the end. It did. And we'll see if it does this year. But I think they've got more depth on the mound this year than they had last year. I mean, beyond Swaggerty and Lamson, uh, like, like uh, our – Luke mentioned. Yes. Uh, you know, they. I think some, some two-way guys are going to contribute. Cole Calhoun is a guy that I think he's going to see for more them, of. For me, yeah. um, you know, it's they, they got a walk-on left-hander who uh, I believe transferred from UMass. Uh, That's correct. A big kid, six foot eight. I, f- I forget the name, John, but it sounds like he might be a contributor as well. I believe you blogged about him. I think I mentioned um, him somewhere. I know you. I know you've written about him. It might have been actually a weekend preview. Yeah. Um, where you talked to Josh Holiday about him. I'm blanking on his name as well, but uh, yeah, we had a scout covering the De Marini Invitational this weekend. Uh, he's not currently in the employ of a major league organization, but he has been a, a you know area scout for uh, some time. And he was impressed with Arizona State, it sounds like. Uh, I think he thought they were the best team there. Uh, Oregon State's pitching was quite impressive there as well. Uh, but it sounds like Arizona State was the most complete team. And, you know, the way UCLA's playing right now, i got to say, you know, for me, uh, Arizona State's the favorite in the Pac-10. Oh, yeah. I agree with and you. And it really shouldn't be a surprise. So we're going to wrap up the college podcast. But I want to let you know, obviously, podcast at baseballamerica.com is the email address. And obviously, as we just demonstrated, we're going to answer those questions this year. 
and uh, you know check out all the coverage. We had a plethora of stories this weekend at BaseballAmerica.com, both on the draft blog and on the college blog concerning college baseball. So uh, check it, check it, check it out till the break of break of dawn. And we'll be back with next week's podcast next week. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. Thanks for the download. So long, everybody. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.